baby where we started now we on to something new let me introduce you to some of the fresh crew hollywood jack get yeah, a leader of the pack cory on your man randy coming in stack robin with the y chilling in the nest holding down the crew can't forget the rest Queen of Queens carrying, yet she taking no mess. Bring your A game, cause there ain't none less. Paco last man standing, yeah, you know how it goes. Rounding out the best, JV to the pros. Welcome back to JV to the pros, season three, episode 28. We are cruising along. I am Jack Vecchio, and my partner, whom I don't think I can do this show without, the man is Mr. Consistency, Mr. Reliable, Mr. Nonstop, Corey, the Iron Man of Broadcasting, Ramsey. Oh, I'm sorry. I had dozed off for a minute. <laughs> Did you say I was reliable? I am. I really am. I promise. I've never kicked you <laughs> under the table like that before. <laughs> I have a bruise on my shin, people. You can't see it here. There's Old Faithful, then there's Corey. My goodness gracious. You thought we were doing a practice run in, right? Yes, I thought we were doing a practice run. <laughs> we just went straight into it tonight. And, of course, our technical genius, the Ghostbusters fan of the year, Mr. The last man standing. Hi-o. There he is. There he I is. I have missed him. And, and when I showed up tonight, he thought, okay, don't give me a hard time. Don't give me a hard time. Don't give me. And I was so nice to him, he thought, it's coming. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? We've let's got a it. bunch of things to get into, let's so we it. should probably just jump yeah, let's right jump. into things. Okay, let's go. Where do you want to start? Um, you, you know what? what? I, I, want, I do want to touch upon the, the – I've been mystified – by the Olympics. Now, let me, let me, I know. Wait, right? well, hold on, hold on. There were Olympics? Yeah, I know. The ratings, the ratings show that literally if there were 10 more people in the room, I still might be the only one that's watching it. That would be the equivalent of the ratings. The ratings are under 10, and they usually are around 30. And that, folks, is our coverage of the Olympics. <laughs> let me, let me tell you something. I actually probably wouldn't have been watching it. However, Karen and I both were Olympic hopefuls and never made it to the Olympics. She for swimming and me for boxing. So we were kind of curious to see what was going on. Really? Corey, I got to tell yeah, I, I fought two years with the Olympic boxing team. I mean, I know you yeah. had, a, I know you boxed, but I know that you That's were. That's the reason I boxed. I was, I was ho hoping to make it on the, uh, for the 84 Olympics. That was, that was the one in L.A., right? L.A., yeah, yeah. exactly. Wow. O.J. carrying the torch. Who knew 10 years later? <laughs> anyway, so, uh, but, um, but Corey, I got to ask you something. Like, I, I did not realize that, um. That when they do like the four by 100 or the 100 and 200 meter races, mm -hmm. I'm watching the race and three guys have a clear lead and the other countries are like falling way behind. Right. But then the guys pull up. So I'm thinking, OK, I thought each race was for a medal. Oh, no. They have eight countries run, mm -hmm. three advance, and then they go to the, the semifinals, quarterfinals, and they, it, it just goes on and on and on. It's like the NHL playoffs. I was sitting there watching this thing, and everybody is trying to qualify. And then finally, they get the eight fastest out of, like, 24 heats. And then they get the eight fastest, and they run for the medal. And so can I tell you that no one really has an interest in this? Yeah, I, I, okay. I, I yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what. Um, this girl, this girl, Lydia uh, Jacoby, uh -huh. out of Alaska, okay. credit what credit is. She comes from a town that doesn't have a pool big All enough right. for her to train in. Okay. She wins 
first Alaska person from Alaska to win gold in mm -hmm. a swimming event. Mm -hmm. She wins gold and not having a pool to train in. The biggest pool in her area was 25 meters. Okay. And she ended up winning the 100 meter and won gold, beat everybody. So she is a real success story. But, um, you know, I mean, Simone Biles and everything else that was expected to... I, I agree with you, Corey. It has been... Difficult. Now, one one last thing I want so, to say. So okay, before it, it's difficult, but you continue to bring things yeah. up. We'll move on. Absolutely. All right. You, I'm outvoted. Go ahead. So, let's just go ahead and move on. Well, you know, we have a uh, today is August fourth, and I thought we would do some fun things and talk about this date in history. So the first thing that I was able to come is up is there with, a significance to eight four. There's no significance to 8-4, but there are just some interesting things that happen in history here in this country, August 4th. I'm ready. So, starting out in 1892, that was the parents of Lizzie Borden. The parents, Andrew and Abby Borden, were found murdered in their home in Massachusetts. Although Lizzie was never found guilty, the following rhyme is remembered even to this day. And the rhyme goes a little something like this. Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her mother 40 wax. When she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. Are those, are those factual numbers? <laughs> Allegedly, she killed her Allegedly, parents. right, okay. Now, what makes this interesting? We have talked about previously, you know, trials of the century. O.J. Simpson, Simpson, of course, and Fatty, Fatty Albuquerque. Yeah. This goes back. I know about that that murder growing up because growing up in New England, it was a big thing about Lizzie Borden being. I mean, I was in Connecticut and Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Of course, is the next state over. So she was found not guilty. Right? She was found not guilty. She ended up uh, living until 1928. Uh, how and the thing is about her. She stayed right in that town. She had a lot of money, and she stayed right in that town, it's a beautiful called, New England town. It's called parental um, inheritance. inheritance right? yeah. no, uh, <laughs> affluenza, right? A couple other interesting things about her, aside from her staying there in the house because she didn't care what anybody thought, the place was bought uh, by a man by the name of Lance Zool. And so he has turned the Borden house into a bed and breakfast. Oh, good Lord. And a lot of the same furniture and things are still there. And so people actually pay money to go into this home where people were slaughtered. Oh, I'm sure. And sleep and sit on the furniture that they... Oh, I'm sure that a lot of people... Now, he's done some... I took a look at it. He's done some uh, refurbishing of the house, but it looks gorgeous. Mm. And then another interesting fact about Lizzie Borden... There was a, a TV movie. You'll like this. This is a reference, but it's actually relevant. There was a TV. There was a TV movie um, about Lizzie Borden, and it was played by Elizabeth Montgomery. Elizabeth Montgomery was a distant cousin to Lizzie Borden. Whoa! Oh, wow! Now yeah. that's an interesting. Wow! Piece that of fact. is. Uh, yeah. Wow! I just looked at your notes, and I saw that she was from Full River. Full River, Massachusetts. <laughs> she says it like a like a what, like Kennedy. What is the significance of that? <laughs> That's how they say it. 
No, oh, okay. <laughs> no, no, give her a hard oh, time. Okay. Go ahead, go after her. Go give her a hard time. <laughs> I, okay. You got to go home with what her later. The, go ahead, give her a hard time. Give her hell. <laughs> what does that have to do with the story? Go ahead. She just wanted to say full river. <laughs> she just pulled a Paco on you. <laughs> Paco's rubbing off on her. <laughs> so moving on from Lizzie Borden, since we kind of crashed and burned there. Oh, crashed and burned, not at all. We had fun with it. Let's go on to another uh, rather important date in history uh, for August 4th, 1944. The Nazi Gestapo captures 15-year-old Jewish diarist Anne Frank and her family in a sealed-off area of an Amsterdam warehouse. Okay. And most now, people, are, of course, are familiar with Anne Frank and her diary. Right, but I mean, I think she should have taken notes while she was captured. That would have made it really interesting, don't you? Yeah, I think it would have made it extremely interesting. I mean, it could have been a bestseller. Who knows? And it, yes, it absolutely could have been. Anything for those that are listening, alone. for those that are listening, it it was a bestseller. In case, in case you don't was. know and you're fooled, that's called sarcasm. Yes, but yeah. some people don't it's know. One of the, it's one of the actually greatest selling books of all time. Yes. Is, is the Diaries of Anne Frank? Yeah. So I was just kind of having fun with it. Yeah, I know. That's just probably me. probably not something you want to have fun. Oh, with. It, what too soon? <laughs> yeah, I, it's I, only I, been eighty plus years. Yeah, I think probably probably not something that we we want to. In make a month from about. now, I'm not going to be making any 9/11 jokes. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, yeah, there's a, there's a there's a significance that's coming up. We'll talk about that later in the later show. So another date in August fourth, dealing with civil rights, and this was one of the most important. Events. It was a tragedy, but one of the more important events that happened in the civil rights movement, uh, movement, and that's when three civil rights workers, Michael Swerner, Andrew Goodman, and James Channing, were found buried in a partially constructed dam near Philadelphia, Mississippi, after disappearing more than a month before police uh, were investigating. Police were investigating, rather, if the members of the Ku Klux Klan were responsible. Turns out, of course, that they were. You'll like it because many movies have been made about this. Many documentaries have been made about this. And so the three civil rights workers went down the Mississippi because of the voting. Because while blacks had the ability to vote, they were intimidated not to. And so these uh, three brave men went down there, and unfortunately, they never came back. Is, up. is this is this, does this have anything to do with the with the movie Mississippi Burning? This is the yes. basis for okay, it. That's, that's the I basis thought. of okay, that movie. Right, okay. Yes, and there's been over the years, there's been many movies about the three workers. Wow. I mean, yeah, you can just like punch it in on Amazon or uh, Netflix, and some things will come up. Documentaries um, uh, about it. Uh, something else on August 4th, 1972, Arthur Bremer from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, was found guilty of the shooting and attempted murder of White House hopeful uh, Governor George Wallace. And I say segregation now and segregation forever. So he shot Mr. Wallace at a political rally in Laurel, Maryland. He was sentenced to 63 years in jail. Mr. Wallace was paralyzed by the shots, and three other people were injured in the incident. Here's my question. Would he have threatened to split the Democratic vote? Or was he diluting the, like the way Perot did in 92 by jumping in? And that was my analogy. Yeah. I will tell you I'm not up on my George Wallace uh, history. 
So okay. I have no clue. Oh, well, you're more up on it than we are. Yeah, I, I have no today. clue. I didn't know today was that day. <laughs> yeah, it was that day. And so something else. Uh, August 4th, of course. What year? 2011. Oh, recent. Polygamous sect leader Warren Jeffs. And I remember, I, I remember this. I, oh, I followed this. Guy was was a, convicted yeah. of child assault by a jury in Texas. <clears throat> Jeffs, the leader of the Fundamentalist Church of uh, Jesus Christ of Latter-day, Latter-day Saints, Saints, faced charges after police raided a compound of West Texas in 2008. And which many underage girls who have been forced into, uh, quote, spiritual marriages, yes, unquote, marriages. were found pregnant. He was later sentenced to life in prison. Jeff's was was is because he's still he's still kind of running his cult from behind prison walls, actually. But I followed that story because he made a run for it as soon as they broke into the quote unquote vault. Yes. And found all the videotapes of him. Yes. And, and he was having sex with underage girls by the hundreds. I know. Yeah, he was a real, real low-life scumbag. A low-life scumbag And when they when they caught him... Tens. When they caught him, he was actually... Like, I think he was pulling out of Vegas on a motorcycle. They had him on... With a hooker. Right, didn't he? And and he had, like, $50,000 in cash on him, and and he'd been drinking. He was doing everything that he orders his cult not to do. Right. And he was doing everything while on the run. He was hanging out with hookers. He was drinking. He was doing drugs. He was blowing through money. Um, I don't know if if he was on a motorcycle or if he was in, like, an SUV Cadillac I think he was on an SUV because he was pulled over or something, and then they got him on camera right and 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 this guy is and he, he looks like like larry nasser yeah. the olympic guy he looks like a weasel little little just a little punk a little oh well he's all of that but he's yeah. also an idiot because why you would not leave leave the country after impregnating maybe a hundred girls yeah more. Can you, so can you imagine <clears throat> yeah how many children are that are walking around, and he's the father? He's the father of more than 100 underage girls. His lineage will be all throughout this land for decades. And there are still people Centuries. that are following him to the letter. Most of the cult has disbanded, right. has come to the realization that he's a fraud because he claimed to be sent by God, and the, he's the uh, he was the uh, holy one or something. And the funny thing is... His father claimed to be the chosen one and that he would live until Jesus walked the earth again. And then his father dies and he says he's handed the torch off to him. And he actually took an already bad, corrupt cult and ruined it more because he was more corrupt than the father. He was like 2.0. Yeah. It's like North I mean, Korea. <laughs> I mean, he had I, I mean, he had just his fill of uh, young, impressionable girls. You know, and I hope that, you know, the young ladies that were raped by him, I hope that they have uh, sought help, and I hope they're doing okay right now. Well, it's funny because that, um, and I don't know how they, they accumulated tremendous amounts of money like they were tapping their families for money and giving the money to this jeff's guy yeah that's what cults do though oh, that's that's horrible. what they do just, money. that that guy just made my skin crawl he was just such a dirty scummy creep and i and i you know there are things that even prisoners won't tolerate mm-hmm. and he had broken all those rules and i'm sure in prison 
he's having a tougher time than most people that have done burglary. <laughs> it would be nice. That would certainly be nice. It would be nice, nice to see that even out, yeah. So we have a couple of birthdays on this date. Do tell. We have the great Louis Armstrong. Oh, born Saxomo, born Louis Daniel Armstrong, 1901 in New Orleans. Where else would he be born? His, his, but New Orleans. Exactly. Where else? He's a perfect, perfect. Like starting his life in New Orleans is absolutely ideal. That's exactly yes. what he should be doing. And then, former president Barack Obama. So if we all believe in individual liberty, what is our modern argument about? Turns sixty. 60. You know how I know that? Because he's only about five months younger than I am. There you go. <laughs> yeah, we're the same age. <laughs> so those were some significant dates uh, for August 4th. And that's quite, that's, that's quite the potpourri right there. Yeah. Although that Jeff's thing. Uh, that Jeff's uh, thing uh, got you yeah, going. That, well, that, I remember what, uh, that appearing on America's Most Wanted. Oh, yeah. And them going over, and they would spend 15 minutes of the hour talking about all the horrific things he did and how he's on the run and they're looking for him. And they kept plastering his picture and he gets pulled over on a traffic stop. All right. Like he wasn't getting caught. All right. So that would be a uh, time for us to take a break. And then we'll talk about a significant date that is coming up. We won't be on the air, but it's certainly something that I want to touch on. So why don't we go ahead and take a little break and then we'll come back and jump right into another uh, important date that's uh, on the horizon. Back in two minutes, guys. Is your small business, company, or corporation under a legal attack from a disgruntled former or current employee? It often happens where an employee decides to go for a money grab, hoping the business will just settle to make it go away. Well, this is wrong, and Paul Sorrentino of the firm Jackson Lewis knows this is wrong, and he consistently puts a stop to this method of extortion of businesses. Paul Sorrentino fights for you and protects you from sending out a message that you're an easy target. Paul Sorrentino is considered to be one of the five best attorneys in all of California. Many believe he might be the greatest labor attorney in the country. He represents individuals who may be getting taken advantage of by unscrupulous employers, as well as representing small businesses that might be wrongfully under fire. Paul Sorrentino of Jackson Lewis is the premier attorney when it comes to labor law. He represents several corporations that depend on his expertise in class action suits in which the corporation is being targeted. There have been times when opposing counsel has walked into court, realized they have to face Paul Sorrentino, and immediately moved to dismiss instead of letting the judge see that they're going to get shredded by Paul Sorrentino. Having Paul Sorrentino as your attorney is like having a legal superhero on your side. For any of your legal labor issues, call Paul Sorrentino of Jackson Lewis at 619-573-4900. And rest easy knowing Paul Sorrentino will take the best care of you. Call Jackson Lewis at 619-573-4900 and ask for the legal superhero Paul Sorrentino. Tell him JV to the pros recommended you make that call. And we're back with JV to the Pros, Season 3, Episode 28. It is the Corey Ramsey Show tonight. <laughs> I'm just guy got a front row seat and I'm enjoying it. Corey, what else you got? Well, we've got another date that I had sort of teased before we took a break. August 8th. Is what? And, and it's one that we have talked about a few times on this show. I think more August than a 8th, few, I think. It's... It has been 52 years, people. 8-8. Eight, eight. 52 years 
Yes. Uh, 52 right. years for let, what? Let everybody know. Are we going to let everybody know? Go are we going to tell it. them? Come on. I guess we have to You're tell leading. them. The Tate LaBianca right. murders. Which we've talked about yes, and we've, many times on this we've show. about many it times. Has, it has been like an ongoing kind of sub-story with this show because not only are we attached to it, you know, and, and our relationship with David. Yes. Omen. 8-8 eight, eight is the anniversary 52 years ago when Sharon Tate was murdered. Yeah. Changed Hollywood, and it changed how Hollywood interacts with... The public. The public. Yeah. Forever. It, 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 forever. It, it, the vulnerability was right there at that point, yeah. and all of a sudden they realized, yeah, this could be any of us. Yeah. Any of us that have worked to make a name for ourselves and become a celebrity and be in the spotlight... Here's the downside. Certainly. Yeah. And you know, the hippie movement uh, by that time, it was in its death rattle. Yeah. And I think that really just pushed it over. So, Jack, so you being in Hollywood and the and this, uh, significance of it, uh, let me ask you. What? Do you feel it this day? So, in other words, do you feel... Like, and you being an actor, do you worry about the public? Do you worry about people getting close to you or some of your friends or some of your um, here's, here's contemporaries? The, you know, and, and, and frankly, Karen, you know, is, producer Karen is more concerned than I am because sure. all of a sudden we have got people reaching out to me, reaching out to her. And and they're reaching out because they know about the upcoming TV show, right. and we've been told we're going to have actually the 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 brainchild of that on our show, and he's going to be promoting um, Promised Land. But we've got people approaching us in very strange situations. I was telling you before the show tonight Certainly. that somebody showed up at my pool, at my complex, at my condo complex, and. It was somebody I hadn't seen in years yes. and wanted to let me know that they had done some stage acting and, oh, by the way, I'm interested in working on your show. Like, I'm in charge of that. I'm not. But I, I think it's strange that we've got, we've got people coincidentally crossing paths with us regularly. Yes. And Karen has told me that there have been people that have showed up to see, quote, how we're doing. And I'm like, okay, th this is getting uncomfortable. So as somebody who's not particularly in the bright light of, of celebrity, but could be if the show is a big hit, yeah, I'm concerned about the fact that people seem to be comfortable showing up at my house all of a sudden. Well, you know, uh, let me say with that, uh, and of course it was a, a horrific tragedy, but in looking back and just looking at the world now, my perspective, this country, I, I think people needed to be smarter. I think it was too much access. That here you are, you are, you're living in Hollywood, you're living in Beverly Hills, and you are famous. Right. And one of the most famous actors of the time didn't have his doors locked. Right. Yeah, think about that. And according to some of the killers... They were in the house for a little while before they were even noticed. And at one point, uh, according to Susan Atkins, I, I believe it was Atkins that said this, that she said that she walked past the bedroom where Abigail Folger was uh, reading a book and Abigail waved to her. 
So in other words, just a stranger, somebody else in the house, somebody in the house. Like, so the party's going on. The and, party's going right. on, and we're just right. and we're just walking. You know what that kind of reminds me of? You remember um, Studio Fifty Four, right? Certainly. Okay, you could. I had never gone in Studio Fifty Four. I used to hang out at Two Thousand One, mm-hmm. which was from Saturday Night Fever. That's where I hung out. And but anybody you cross paths with in there, be it a celebrity, most of the people were just people that were going there to dance and do the disco thing, but anybody that waved at you or, you know, you waved back or said hi to them, not knowing who the hell they were. And I think Studio 54 is a classic example of celebrities meshing with, you know, regular folks that are not in the business. And I think that that, that created a dangerous ground. Certainly, but I, but I, I think it was far worse Back then, I mean, you had people, I mean, you're having parties. I mean, Michael Caine, and we discussed this last week. Right. I mean, Michael Caine said that he saw, allegedly, that he saw Manson at a party with Sebring. Not that he was hanging out with Sebring, but Manson was there. Sebring was there. Tate was there. Mamas and the Papas and other people. And then you have a psychotic killer. Now, they didn't know it at the time, but there he is. And it's not like and it's not like that Manson showered. I'm gonna guess that he probably didn't shower. Well he probably here, smelled them before he came to the here, Here's the thing. We're here we are, we're in season three, we're in twenty twenty one. Yes. And producer Karen and I were at a party in the spring in mm-hmm. uh March or April. We went to a party and there were some pretty famous people at this party. And most of the people were people that worked in the industry. Or just worked as extras and wanted to go to the party mm-hmm. to hang out. Um, frankly, these celebrities, and this is 2021, mm-hmm. had no idea who anybody was. And people were walking up and asking to maybe take a picture or just have a conversation or given their critique of a certain film they were in. And the freedom, once you're in the party, the freedom of being able to approach anybody, and most people are looking to approach the most famous person there. Was it a party uh, invite? Was it anything like that? I mean, it was. In other words, it was. It was know? a party by invite. Okay. But, so, but here's the thing. Here's the catch. Uh-huh. Um, Corey, I'd like you to come to the party. Okay. Um, you're allowed a plus one. That okay. plus one could be anybody because it's your plus one. I, and when see, you show I, up with your invite, all you have to do is have a human being next to you. That's I hear you, one. but I'm guessing that no one invited Manson. I mean, I think Wait, it was just completely different. There's no way to know. No, because the plus one is open-ended. But, uh, Jack, in the context of our conversation, Manson was able to buy his access in by simply pimping out his Manson family. Exactly. Right. How do you think Dennis Wilson got involved in the first place? Right. I mean, he's living living there. And what I'm saying is is that we can't compare what goes on now to back then. Well, we've got, on average, America has, on average, the estimates are somewhere around 400 serial killers. (laughs) Roaming free in America. Well, I don't know that to be true. That's a that's a pretty absurdly high number. I I don't think that's a high number because it's supposed to be somewhere around eight to ten per state, because it's so hard to catch these guys, especially if they don't go with the same mo all the time. But I I disagree. I disagree. It's hard to catch them. You got somebody. Hang on, hang on. I'm going to respond to that. Go ahead. You just going to blow through a stop sign. I said if they don't change their mo with forensics and cameras everywhere. Serial killers have decreased, which is why you have mass shootings and you have spree killers. 
because they know they can't get away with the thing for very long. Right. Yes. If anything, okay. they want the fame. Okay. Let's say, let's say in the whole country, whole country, there's 50, one per state. Let's just say. Maybe. Let's say there's one guy per state until he gets caught, and then okay. somebody uh, may replace okay. him. Okay. I, I won't even that concede probably, that. That probably wouldn't even be a low number. All right. I but, won't even concede that. Okay. But all right. But all right. what is your but point? Your plus one could be somebody from church to somebody who's a serial killer. There always could it's be. It's an open That always could be. One. But you cannot convince me that 1969 is like what it is in 2021. It's not even close with the security and the entourages that people have around. The people in 1969, they didn't have all those entourages. I agree. I mean, with Roman you. Polanski didn't have that. Right. I agree with you. And, and so it's different. And I think um, the well, tragic I, events force people to take a look at what we're doing. And they look and said, you know, what the hell? <clears throat> I have watched that video of, and it's on YouTube. Anybody can watch it. The funeral of Jay Sebring and, of course, Sharon Tate. Star-studded. Okay, Peter Sellers, right. Mamas and the Papas, everybody. Bruce right. Lee, everybody's there. Steve right. McQueen. You can look at all that. You can see it for yourself. Right. The paranoia, it jumps right off the screen. I mean, like I'm watching Henry Fonda when he leaves, and he's looking around. He's just looking around. He's scared. Everybody was scared. Because, remember, they had not caught the murderers at the time. Right. So it's a heightened awareness. Yes, it was right. a heightened right. awareness. And Manson was not suspected. Do you understand that if it wasn't for Atkins blabbing, those guys probably would have been free. They would have never gotten caught. They might never right. have been caught. You know, and, and I'll give you an example comparing 69 to 2020. 2020, I'm saying it was because um, <clears throat> I listened to Seth Rogen. We know who Seth Rogen is. Sure. Um, he's kind of a stoner and he's kind of harmless. He was actually giving an award at an award show. And the person he was giving the award to was going to be Beyonce. And he's backstage in the wings, and he's going to go on, announce that he's given the award, and then announce that the person getting the award is Beyonce. And he saw Beyonce backstage, and without thinking, he went over to shake her hand and got decked. This guy, this bodyguard, just plowed him in the chest. And he said he went out, and he was still having trouble breathing because this guy had hit him so hard. Because you don't go near Beyonce, and that's his job. And he just completely crashed into his chest, fist, and down he goes because he was approaching without permission. And that is something, of course, that was very significant watching that video in 1969, that bright day, terrible day of the funerals. There were no bodyguards there. Right. Right. That was one of the other things that stood out to me, and I'm like... That there was no setup for protection. Yes, none. And some of the biggest names in all of show business they were, were all there. there. I mean, Yul Brenner, I mean, somebody Robert could, Preston. Somebody could have gone in there with an automatic weapon. Yeah, Bruce Lee. Right, I right. mean, and taken Henry out Fonda, everybody. Steve Although McQueen. I got to suspect these guys showed up probably packing something. Steve McQueen was packing. Oh, yeah, I'm he sure. Was. Even if he wasn't, I'd like to believe he did. You'd like, <laughs> Steve you was so cool. Like yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he was, he was yeah. So, Bruce, yeah, that, you know, that's that's interesting. Cause, yeah, so cause, it's just something. If you ever get a chance, watch the video. There's no sound to it, which, of course, makes it all the more eerie. And you're just watching all the stars and their paranoia, how they're crying. So it's like Super 8 footage? It's pretty clear. It's probably CPs because back in the 
day, the, the news cameras used to have 16 millimeter, faster to develop. Okay. I mean, it's right. it's very clear, and you'll see um, because the funeral for Sebring and Tate were on the sa- uh, same day. Okay. So you'll see Polanski, like you'll see all of them. Okay. Uh, all right. It's just something to watch. Like I said, with I'm glad that there was no sound. I'm glad there was nobody narrating, and you just sort of just watch, and you just get a feel. And I'll just leave it with this. Even though um, people considered Sharon Tate, uh, you know, a relatively unknown actress, maybe even a B actress, C actress, whatever you want to say, the impact was apparent. The way people were reacting, and I don't think these were—I don't think those were fake tears. I don't think that those were tears that, oh, you know what? Let me show off for the public. Here's, here's, you know, you compare that, and I, I think I agree with you that the the fact that it was silent, and you're watching the footage silently. If you watch the footage when 20 years ago or 25 years ago, when Lady Di, her funeral, yes, you had somebody who sounded like a golf reporter, and now Elton John is approaching the casket as a, and it. And they're doing a play-by-play as they're going through the funeral. Yes, and I've seen it. Madonna has arrived, and she's brought uh, wearing a. And I'm just like, this guy just needs to keep talking, to yeah. to make it seem like something's happening. Whereas silence, less is more in that situation. Yes. Less is more in that situation. So yeah, I agree with you completely. It's funny you mentioned Di- Princess Di because that was another component that, of that. You know, celebrity culture as we know it was in, in its infancy and. It, it opened up in the 60s. The Manson, incident, uh, the Manson episode is clearly a huge cornerstone of that. And that, that because the way that, you're, the, the, that that news person was narrated. Yeah, it was annoying. It was a commodity. Yeah. You forget that they, these, were, these were people. Same thing with Sharon Tate. She is just a name. We forget that she was a living, real person. Right. And we all get, uh, and I, you know, look, and I can say that I probably have been guilty about that. I mean, I've read so much about the case. Followed the um, you followed the trial and everything. Read so many books and everything, but not enough on her life. So I started reading more about her life. And her sister has a website um, dealing with Sharon Tate, and it's really interesting. And it's a good thing. There's a lot of pictures, and what it does is it celebrates her life. Okay. And it's just, you know, and it's just yeah. something that I thought that I should read because it's something that I've followed ever since I was a kid. So, okay. Uh, now, you see, I, I look at it like the death of Sharon Tate. Yeah, I don't know that I, – I don't believe that Sharon Tate would have had um, the great career people would like to believe or fantasize that she would have had. I think they have blown it up that she was greater and more talented than than she probably was. But unfortunately, the significance of what happened, she became the load-bearing wall. Now, I look at I look at somebody like uh, the girl who played Star 80 for the, the Playboy Bunny that was killed in 1980. Um, I forget her name. Um, yeah, but you so know who I'm talking about. I know who you're talking about. A very about, pretty, yes. very talented girl. To me, her future was almost unlimited she she had all the qualities and i also look at her and the significance she doesn't get nearly the press that sharon tate gets because of the timing of it all but i also i also believe that if if i I wish i could remember her name um she was star 80 uh the playboy playmate um but i I think if if her career goes forward I honestly think the significance of someone like Christy Brinkley, because of her beauty, 
is not nearly. I think it's completely overshadowed by this the, the Playboy. I wish I could remember her her name. Paco, do you remember her name? Is it uh, Dorothy Stratton? Stratton. Yes. Dorothy Stratton, Star Eighty. And I think that she not only had talent as an actress, but she was she was so charming. And mm-hmm. I think her career. But she, but there's almost nothing about the tragedy of her because of the timing and because of the Manson family, because of the Polanski connection, because of the Hollywood. Because there wasn't a trial. Yeah. I mean, mean, it was, you know, it was uh, suicide, murder, murder, suicide, rather. Right. I mean, murder, suicide. um, And what I know about that is it's, it's it's coming back to me. What is tragic about uh, Stratton was that she had broken off. She had broken it off. Yeah, she was she was putting him. her in a rearview mirror. And she was having one last meeting with him. Right. And she had cash to give him. Right. And he wouldn't go away. Right. He wouldn't go away because he was going to be denied a future because he was going to latch on to her. Because she was hooking up with, and let's see, I'm going to do a query here. Yeah. The director, <laughs> Peter Bogdanovich. 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 See, Bogdanovich. there we go. That's yeah. who she was hooking she, up well, with. Well, she was having an affair with him. Oh, uh, she wasn't I, married. It wasn't really an affair. She was cheating on... Um, Polanski you, with Bogdanovich. No, well, no, not not Polanski. No, Polanski was out of the country by then. Yeah, it wasn't Polanski. Oh, Polanski was talking about. Yeah, so this Bogdanovich. So she was. She was. Stratton with, was with. She Bogdanovich. was Bogdan, Bogdanovich, no. yes. and her career was moving because of that connection. Well, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Perhaps. There's no way. There's no way. Her career wasn't moving forward without the help of. Well, I find it fascinating. On one on one hand, you said that she had a great career ahead of us, ahead of her, and then you said that it was moving because of uh, the guys she well, was yeah, but, but, hooking but, up but with. She, but she had appeal. She had appeal all by herself, and people were just attracted to her. There was something about her that was like like I don't find that Marilyn Monroe was particularly talented. Like, like, oh, you, see, like yeah, 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 I know okay. most people think she was. Yeah. I won't I go. I won't go there. Talented. I won't go there. I won't. Okay. I don't find her to be as talented as people give her credit for. Okay. You know, kind of like Anna Nicole Smith. I don't find her to be as talented as people don't give her credit for. Don't even put Marilyn Monroe um, and Anna Nicole Smith in the same <laughs> breath. Yeah. Come on. Okay. But uh, but I do think Stratton had the potential to just cruise into people's hearts, and yeah, I think Bogdanovich was absolutely choreographing her career. I think now, he had a vested interest in this. Correct me if I'm wrong with Bogdanovich. And so he was all broken up after Stratton uh, died, of course. Right. And correct me if I'm wrong, but did he not marry Stratton's yes, sister? Yes, he did, yes. Yes, he did. You're correct. And let me tell you something. You are correct. There you are correct, sir. See, there we go. See see how you can pull random things, but it actually fits? <laughs> Take note, young Paco. <laughs> young Paco. <laughs> but... Uh, let me tell you something, and we're, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this tangent, and then we'll get off of it. Okay. And go to a break. There is no way that I could actually do that. That I could be in love with a woman, she dies tragically, and then I hook up with her sister. I just. I well, wait a second. It. Let me ask you something. Now. I couldn't Hang do on. It. Have you ever dated sisters? I plead the fifth. <laughs> Okay, I have on the air. I I plead the fifth. I have, but it's talking about marrying. And as a man, who is as a man who is never completely matured out. Yeah, there's something very thrilling, but I wouldn't marry. But to see if I married, if I if I'm if I'm with one, and then she dies, I don't know that I could marry 
her sister. That's I don't what know, I'm saying. Well, that's yeah, what I don't I'm know that I can, But I could, I could definitely see myself dating her. Okay, dating. I didn't say dating. I yeah, said I know. Marriage. I know. No I know. way. But, you, but you, you and I have a lot more in common than the audience realizes. I just, I, I, <laughs> I mean, I couldn't do it. I mean, I, I think that uh, we mentioned him last week, Robert Wagner. I think right. he, he stretches it. Yeah. Marrying the best friend. Of his wife. Of his wife. I mean, who was there on the boat, by and, the way. And, yeah, she was she at was the scene, the right. Okay. Okay. And, and, and he's, and he's 93 or something, but he's still a person of interest. In that, I know. And, okay, so we'll wrap, I, I, we'll wrap it up, and uh, we'll go to let's break. Let's go to a break. Let's go to break. Paco, we'll be back in two minutes. Cut us out, and we'll cut back in in two. So I was checking into barnone1.com and seeing all that they offer. Bar none the number one.com. They have certified and qualified professional bartenders and servers that make party guests feel like they're living the high life. Bar None can be contacted at 619-952-9414 and that will be the first step to getting your event on track. Bar None will help you prepare the kind of event that is greater than you imagined. They've done this for years and they know what they're doing. So they can answer your questions and guide you to a successful and memorable event. Call Bar None at 619 619- 952-9414 and let them handle these details so that your guests have a great time with a professional server who knows how to take care of their guests. Now, they know how to make your guests feel like they're going to have a great time in part because the work that Bar None does for an event is unparalleled. Call Bar None at 619-952-9414 and get the process started for your next event with Bar None. Tell them JV that the pros sent you. Welcome back to JV to the Pros, Season Three, Episode Twenty Eight. We are in our final segment. Corey, tell me you got a you got a diamond in the rough. You're ready to share with? Hold us. there, Jack. We got to cue that music. Excellent. And in addition to the music. I know people have been stressing out because they haven't been able to wear their tinfoil hats. So everybody, get them on. Come on. Put them on. You look so funny with that. Get that hat on. But you do get the radio waves, so go ahead. Hey, hold on there, Jack. Corey, we got a black helicopter en route. We just missed it. Oh, my goodness. They're on to you, Corey. Oswald acted alone. <laughs> Whoops. Go. So it wasn't you in the grassy knoll, huh? <laughs> All right. So we have a truth is alien, and this is a truth is alien that Paco is very familiar with. And it is dealing with... What is he with not the, familiar with? But this one, he like he was excited about it. So I, I kind of want to like give it to him All right. and let him... And let him take I'm it I'm going in cold, so I don't even know the topic. He's good, but, but not Paco. He's okay, going go to come in hot. Well, I'll put it this way. Bring it. I don't want to. Bu- I'm not going to butcher the name. I need you to say it. All right, now, for those who know, you know, sometimes I'm doing a quarry here. So <laughs> it's a ship, an alleged ghost ship called the Orang Madan. Orang Madan. Orang Madan. Orang Madan. Kind of like Orang Orangutan. Orang Madan. Orangutan. Okay. Okay. Ring Medan. Take it away, Paco. Okay. What, well, is significant, Paco what is significant what is, about this ship, Paco? What's, yeah. Tell us. Well, we have to hold for the black helicopter that's swinging by for some reason. You're not kidding. Can you guys hear it? Can you people hear it? They're coming. 
They've had enough. They're coming for us. It's those damn FEMA camps, man. <laughs> I, okay. uh, Paco, I told you to burn that Supruda film. Get rid of it. Wait, but hold it. up. But, but I have to make room for the Wuhan lab test results. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> All right, so what's the, what's the uh, significant of, significance of this ghost ship? So, allegedly in the 1960s, the said ship in question was found adrift alone in the... Uh, 1947. Oh. It's okay. It's all right. In the late 1940s, more specifically 1947, this ship was found adrift in the Indian Ocean, I believe? From the Straits of Malacca. It located between uh, Sumatra and Malaysia. And it was a distress call that they were responding to. But you're close. You're close. And it, it was the planet Earth. So no, far. no, 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 no. But he's, he's. I mean, he's close enough, and because he knows about it. And well, this is the interesting part. Go ahead. So when they found the ship, it was completely empty. And the creepy part was that they had food and they found things as as if everybody just left in a hurry. There was really? not a single soul left. So like they the were removed and they jumped on another ship or what? Uh-uh. The crew was found dead. Oh. The entire crew was found dead. I must be getting my ghost ships mixed up. The interesting thing. Go, from, go from the interesting thing. Let me give you some quick facts. So the entire crew was found dead. Um, Captain, of course, he was lying in the chart room and bridge. And also... Um, uh, messages, they had tried to send messages to uh, for Morse code, but they couldn't find anything. Even the dog was dead. But the thing is, everybody's face was contorted like they had seen something terrifying. Mm. So there you go. Okay. It's set up for you. Okay. All right. Now. The interesting thing is what? And the interesting thing, Jack. I'm ready. All right. When they found the ship, yeah. all the crew were dead. They were all lying there just including the captain. He was right there in the little captain's, you know, quarters and everything. Yeah, what, what, did they run out of food? No, 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 no. They ran out of water? Even the dog was dead. Oh, wow. So, but yes. here's the crazy part. Oh, here's yes. the crazy part. So when they found the bodies, they were all contorted as if like rigor mortis had said it. It's like they were all looking at something and they were just like literally died of shock, kind of like in the ring. Oh. And here's some other things that's just kind of creepy. It's like... So the bodies were contorted? Yeah, they're all like, they they're, died petrified, like... Oh wow! And, and you understand it's an audio medium. When you do that, when you do that, nobody can see it. <laughs> and, and here's a couple. You know, it was like someone just clapped their hand, and they all just died on the spot. And so the captain's, of course, his body was found on the bridge. The communications officer was still at at his post, but his fingers, his cold fingers, were pressing the telegraph for Morse code. Yes. Oh wow. Wow. And, wow. <laughs> and yes. So what is going on? What's going on with that ship? Now, here's the thing. They tried to tow they tried to tow the Orang Medan to port, but as soon as they attached the tow line, smoke began billowing out of the ship. Moments later it exploded, sinking it into a watery grave and taking all the secrets with them. Now did they ever did they ever pull that ship up? They have not pulled that ship up. And that's I mean, deep they, water. They, well, I mean, yeah, but they found the Titanic. They... Because you had all those rich people <laughs> and all the jewelry. I mean, they found an awful lot of things. Titanic, Titanic was a tragedy because it was like the end. Like we talked about Manson in the 60s. That was the end of the Edwardian era. If, correct me if I'm wrong, but there have been uh, the actual existence has actually been even disputed. 
because allegedly there's never been any uh, like because normally a ship will be registered over in some port somewhere, right? Yes. And to this date, they have never been able to find an actual registry listing of this boat, except for the men who witnessed the explosion. Wait a second, they, they, the boat wasn't registered. Like nobody had any idea of, of that this ship existed. So that's where the mystery begins, or just, continues, I should say. I was going to say it's part of the, uh, it's part of the mystery, huh? Okay. Because this is where one of our favorite intelligence agencies gets involved. Does it have three letters? Can you use that in a sentence? <laughs> well, I see. I-A. Is that the one? I don't know. Corey, what do you think? Now, the explosion has been theorized that because uh, this was a Dutch ship and they were smuggling hazardous materials such as uh, potassium cyanide and glycerin. And they're thinking that the seawater might have interacted with the cargo, causing toxic gases to be released, and the poison killed the crew. And then a nitroglycerin later caused the explosion. But I don't know. Wow. And and like, and this all happens upon finding the ship. They discover the ship. They discover who instead. They see that everybody's contorted. Something bad has happened, and the ship sinks itself, basically. Yes. Like something... Something what happens, and happened. it could be an incredible coincidence. What did they see? Right. Exactly. But what scared them so much? What would even, like, scare an animal that an animal dies and the face is contorted? Did they have a copy of Ben Affleck's Jersey Girl on board? <laughs> no, but you know what? The chemical weapons element, uh, it could make sense, because I believe if sarin gas, uh, you're literally petrified and you suffocate to death. So... You know, chem- exposure to chemicals and, could- and fighting for air could contort because the panic, right? You know, because people that um, suffocate underwater, right, are contorted because their body is desperately trying to find right air somehow. Like, so, um, like what do you well, think of that, Corey? Is that a possibility? I mean, yeah, it's if, a possibility. Air, I mean, <sighs> but but they're, the on, entire, they're on a ship the that's, entire that's floating, crew? right? Yeah, the entire crew. Wouldn't you abandon ship? At that point? Right. But you have to remember, though, if they're under orders, like if they're, you know, working for, let's say, for an, for an intelligence agency, you know, if anything were to happen, they have to destroy the ship and, you know, pretend they were never even there. I mean, like, like, let's look at the U.S. Indianapolis. They never ordered is a distress that, signal. Is that protocol? Like they're supposed to destroy the ship? Yeah. It's yeah. Not pro- how do you know that's protocol? So I, I didn't say I know it. I'm no, asking. no, I'm at, no, no. I'm asking Paco because you asked the question and Paco said yes, yeah, protocol. Yeah, and I'm saying it's not. How do you know it's protocol? Okay, example: when the U-2 spy planes, when they were flying over the Soviet Union, uh-huh. they had self-destruct weapons in bo- built on board, and they gave cyanide capsules to the pilots. Okay, well, apparently Francis Gary Powers somehow didn't get the memo because for those who are wondering who uh, Powers was. He was the one in the U-2 spy plane that went down and was captured by the Soviets. So, I mean, I don't know. That kind of debunks that theory. No, it's not a theory. You can actually look it up, and I mean, they'll tell could, you that. Is it possible that this Powers guy decided not to take his own life? That plane was invisible. That was the first, and he was doing it. It was the first. I don't think Powers, who was a lifetime military guy, Suddenly, he decides that he's going to get scared. He's flying over the Soviet Union, and suddenly he decides to get scared, and then he was captured, and he doesn't give up secrets. So in other words, this is in the, uh, right in the heart of the Cold War, and he's captured. But I will say this. There is one very interesting thing that Powers said. What? And that was, that? Uh, in his transcripts, he had mentioned 
that perhaps the person who gave the secrets away mm. for the plane to be found in the first place was none other than Lee Harvey Oswald. No! Who, by the way, was in the Soviet Union at the time. And can you guess what his MOS was in the Marine Corps? Of course I can. What's, what's, what, first of all, for those of us that don't know what an MOS I know. is, I, like, what's an MOS? <laughs> Military Occupational Specialty. Yes. Thank you. Go for it. Yeah. Well, I mean, people listening are going to be like, yeah, they're not going to know what MOS. I'll just say, what's his job? But the thing, but the thing is, Oswald was over. More importantly, Oswald was over there. But I mean, don't you think that's an incredible coincidence? No, I don't. That well, think about it. Oswald was over there in Russia, right at that time, right? Okay, and I then, think he was over there for he was over there in Russia for that specific reason. And this is Lee Harvey Oswald. Yes, and and then Lee Harvey Oswald, somebody named Lee Harvey Oswald, kills Kennedy. Yeah. Now, what's the odds? Two people with the same name. All right, you guys are gonna you guys are gonna <laughs> just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in. You're gonna All get right. me talking about Kennedy and Oswald. All right, let me give you let me give you a quick. Theory that I have, which is also shared by the great Oliver Stone. I'm ready. I'm ready. You better keep that hat on tight. <laughs> Oswald, Oswald, I firmly believe, was sent over to the Soviet Union to disrupt the and keep the Cold War going. Really? Because talks were progressing. That's right. Between Kennedy and Khrushchev, and the Cold War was starting to thaw. It was getting warmer. And then here's the thing that Oswald did that does not, that really doesn't get any play. This man went on TV and you can see it. You can YouTube it. This man went on TV as a Marine, as a military man and said, I am renouncing my citizenship and I'm going to the Soviet Union. And he also said, I plan on telling them what I know. So explain to me. How that man was allowed to get on a plane, go to the Soviet Union. Now he's over there. When he announced he's going to. When he announced, but it gets much worse than that. So of course you have the powers incident, right? Right. So now and all that pile on. Then you have Oswald, who decides, I'm going to come back to the United States with a Soviet bride. After probably giving up all the secrets. It is impossible because he. It would be like well, he me. Was... This would it would be like me. Back in two thousand six, me going to Iraq, getting um, an Iraqi bride and bringing her back after saying that. By the way, I'm renouncing my citizenship, and I'm, I'm going to be giving t- up all the secrets. I yes, know. <laughs> I would have been branded a, tra- a, a traitor. It would be and taken right at the plane. He was allowed sure. to do this. So now, how do you figure this? Because he was there to disrupt. It was deep and cover. Keep, and keep it going. He was built, Oswald was built from the start, okay? He was an intelligence operative, I firmly believe it, and he was built from the start. So that would make, you know, without being dramatic here, that would make Oswald actually one of the most important military figures of the 20th century. I, absolutely. And what makes it even more incredible about this man that he was only 23 when he died. Now, wow, I spent he did a, a lot. I spent a lot of time overseas, I have to tell you. Not at 23 and 22 and 21. And this man could speak fluent Russian. Now, why would you be training to speak fluent Russian? 
huh? at a time when people didn't. Unless you're going to do that. Unless you're going to do that kind of work. Right. Language training that I received because I was going to specific places. Do you think he was a good enough operative to to have gotten four shots off in two seconds? uh, No, I don't think anybody is that good to get it off. Okay. I mean, SWAT guys have talked about that. Military snipers. I I was watching Full Metal Jacket, and they mentioned that he he got off four shots— in two seconds, because he was trained by the Marines. Remember the drill sergeant? Yeah. And the Marines, outstanding. Uh, I, I that don't seems buy like, that. Seems like See what I'm saying about bum. bringing movies into? Oh, yeah, I lived yeah. through movies. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> I must accept that. <laughs> uh, no. And the other thing is this. Anybody that has been in the military or police that know, know that you take the easier shot. So if he was in the um, school book depository, when the car is coming towards him, okay, so the car is coming towards him, he has the perfect shot, and he could get off several shots, but no, supposedly he decides to wait until it makes the fateful turn, and yes, it slows up, but it makes the turn, so then he has to adjust his sight some more, and then shoot As the car is going away. away. But the Warren Commission would have you believe that the bullet did not hit the back of the head, that it zigzagged and that kind of stuff, and hit him. uh, Yeah, you turned. Yeah, and did all that. The magic bullet. So so do you see what I'm saying about um, Oswald? And we completely went off, but you guys sucked me into this. We did. It's it's on us. But... I do think that, yes, Oswald was an intelligence operative. Everything in his background tells you that that's what he was. He, just the fact that he was able to come back to the, uh, to the States with a Russian bribe was impossible. After um, announcing his, his intention to be treasonous. Yes, yes. It was impossible to bring a Russian bride back then. Mm. And also this. The fact that the Soviet Union allowed him to take one of theirs. No one can explain that. Well, I could explain it if they both swiped right. <laughs> Just, but yeah, no one can explain that. So I think that uh, Oswald was a double agent. And the other thing that he did, as soon as he got back to the States, what does he do? He infiltrates two different um, organizations. One, Fair Play for Cuba. And then anti-Cuba. Uh, yeah, but think, think about how aggressive a military person he would have had to have been by 23. Now, let's face it. What guys are have on their mind at 23 is not trying to figure out how to be an international double agent with the two greatest countries in the world and sit there and have them play play against each other in order to keep the Cold War going by 23 years old. But men were different back then. People were different. You didn't have snowflakes. So, I mean, we're thinking about a 23-year-old snowflake. Think about someone who was born right after or during World War II, Mm -hmm. a world war. And so he grew up into in the Cold War. So what did he want to do? He wanted to serve. He wanted to strike back at the Reds. He wanted to fight for his country. You don't have that now. Here, here's, here's, here's what I'm, you know, I'm, you, you, we're both familiar with uh, one of our listeners, Jim, who always was yes. writing to us. This is, honestly, I, I really wish 
Big Jim would come on the show because this is a topic that Jim is is very well read on. And and I'll tell you what, um, in the fall, my my I have an uncle Vinny, and yes, he had a son, which made him my cousin Vinny. But my uncle Vinny is extremely well read on the wars and stuff like that. And we should bring him on the show, and I'll I'll let him know what we're going to talk about. And I'll tell you what, he will be ready because he is so. So well versed on on this kind of stuff, he finds military interaction and military deception fascinating. So um, we'll bring him on. We'll bring him on. Uh, he'll be out here in November, and we'll bring him on and have him. We will, we will be able to, and this goes for you, Paco. We'll be able to talk to him about pretty much anything in American history. He is extremely well read well, and we'll, we'll have to bring this oswald thing up with him around and we should do, we should bring it around the anniversary yeah i i have well, many he'll be theories. here he'll be here for the anniversary um i was on another podcast you know de- uh debating all this because there's a, a gentleman who thinks that oswald did the killing and he just thinks it's just case closed you think it's Kim- he just thinks no? it's case uh no this is another guy um and he's just I mean, he read the book by um, uh, Gerard uh, Posner because it's called Case Close, and he makes the um, the theory of the magic bullet and that kind of stuff. Listen, I can make things compelling, or I can make you believe almost anything. I can make I can make it compelling enough to make you believe that I could fly. Yeah, but there, there, there's there's an element of common sense. There's an element of logic. There's an element element of intelligence about about. I mean, I'm looking at this guy at 23 years old, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm actually much more impressed with him as being somebody who just wanted to kill the president, as somebody who was really orchestrating a lot more. Yes, and but that is what you just brought up is something that gets swept under the rug. You know what? Why don't, why don't we attack this, this in, in third week in November when Let's we do, do the it. show? And um, I'll bring my Uncle Vinny on the show, and we'll have him. I'll let him know what's coming, and he'll be, he'll be ready. And let's get a dinner date with uh, Jim. He doesn't want to come on the show. He's made that clear. He's made that clear. But, but he would uh, be wonderful in this There's topic. a great restaurant downtown. Um, yeah, we'll, 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 I'll, I'll bring it up to Jim. Okay. I'll bring it up to Jim, and we'll see. Right. We'll see about maybe all of us sitting down and having a chat you'll find you jim is a fascinating guy oh i'm sure he's he's i mean you look at him he's a giant of a man by the way okay you wouldn't you wouldn't know it from his emails he seems humble he's actually a giant of a man i believe I mean, he's six four six five and right. you know but um but he's had quite a life i mean he's been a sheriff he's been a teacher he's been someone who trained people to get ready for olympic training i mean he's he's a pretty amazing accomplished person so jim we are gonna we are gonna have dinner with you and kind of pick your brain a little bit at one point Sounds and you can good. bring your lovely wife olivia um what do you say we wrap this up we absolutely wrap it, it up so let me just say this because we went off on the uh you know, Orang Madan. <laughs> that is something I encourage folks read it, look it up, look at the pictures, and decide for yourself on that. And that will wrap up season three, episode 28 of JV to the Pros. Proudly, I am Jack Vecchio with my partner, Corey the Iron Man, Mr. Reliable Ramsey. Deuces. Paco. You've done it again. Last man standing. Hi-yo. The technical genius of the show. We have done it again, guys. We'll see you guys next week.